Hello and welcome to episode 24 of what we're listening to. Mm. Uh, my name is Josh. I am one of your hosts. And with me, as always, is my good mate and uh, human beatbox oceanic champion of 1977, Asher. How are you, dude? Very good. I would demo, but uh, it's the wrong mic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's kind of the right setup, right? Yeah, it's right. Um, I have a little quiz for you at the top of the show. Now, yep. um, not really spoilers because everyone can see the image for this episode. <laughs> um, I've been listening to the music of Scott Walker for the past couple of weeks and I have a Scott Walker themed quiz for you. I even preempted you on this one. So, I, I mean, I haven't done much any or any research. So I just know a few things about him. Good, good. Well, you might be able to, uh, to decode this one. Now, you need to tell me which one is the, the lie, basically, in these four sure. options. So which one of these um, is not a sound source that Scott Walker has used on an album? Ugh. Okay. The first one is um, the, like, raw ribcage of an animal being punched. The second one is pencils being sharpened. The third one is machetes sliding against each other. And the fourth one is donkey's brain. Oh, <laughs> well, I've, I've seen footage of the machetes being used, so I know mm -hmm. that one. Yeah, there we go. Um, donkey's brain. These are all very believable. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, only one is not correct. The hardest thing to get a hold of is probably a human rib cage. No, no, it's not human. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's. Did I say that? No, that's just that's what I was imagining. No, 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 it's a weirdo. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's um it's an animal. It's like, yeah. I think I'm going to go with donkeys then. I think that would be... Uh, it's, the, it's the pencils? It's the pencils? Yes, yeah, the pencils. <laughs> Those are like rhythmic enough you could like make something out of it. Yeah. Um, but no, donkeys Donkeys are in his music. Um, yeah. He, they make him in, yes. I know they make an insane amount of noise. Also, they like make raspberries all the time when they're kind of chilling out. <laughs> So I was like, really? Um, so I had to write, the, yeah, the, I had to write in a specific way that they all sounded similar. And that's why I was like, it's just like if you went to the butcher, he just got something from the butcher and then like had a guy just punch it and that's the rhythm sort of thing. Nothing. I mean, it, it's a bit gross, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Scott Walker. Yes. Anyway, we'll get to that a little bit more uh, later on. <laughs> what did you have um, some follow up? Uh, I only have a very tiny bit. Not really. Mm -hmm. um, it has been brought to my attention that the band Pavement are not Canadian. <laughs> I have it um, down on my notes too. <laughs> to which I say, I don't care. And somebody lied to me at some point, and I just accept that. Um, <laughs> we said it on two shows as well, like. <laughs> Last show, we also then, I said, oh, what's that other Canadian band? Oh, yeah. pavement. <laughs> this, this is a, a social experiment onto how fake news can spread so quickly. That's right. Um, so, sorry, Californians, for stealing your band. Yeah. Apologies. You don't have enough music down there. And then uh, probably the other one was that weird, like, nom flashback I had to the Beatles mashup project. The It's called Everyday Chemistry. Um, yeah, yeah. I've been listening to it and it's so strange. And I just, I don't know. I only catch was, I don't know why I still have this in my iTunes, but I just kind of do as a relic of the past, I guess. <laughs> I put it in the show notes, but I haven't yet listened to it. Um, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> no. I was listening to a bit more of Ceiling in Our Garden. Um, I really liked that mashup, but anyway, that's a that's another. We've done that before, but I don't have any other follow up to be honest. Okay, cool. Review time. Review time. Um, so I've been uh, going through 
the latest album from a band called uh, The Delta Spirit. Um, it's called What Is There, and they are a uh, American rock band um, who I've been kind of following for a little while, thanks to a recommendation from a friend of mine from, from a while ago. Um, and I was uh, super, super impressed by their uh, most previous uh, release to this one. Um, Mm -hmm. an album called into the wide. Yeah. That that kind of, um, it kind of sneaks around in the back of my brain whenever I have my like favorite album rotation going on. It's like one of those ones that just pops back in every so often. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this album's really good. And, uh, it is on the list for me to give to you at some point, but, um, I found, uh, that particular record was a big step for them going from, like indie kind of country infused rock band to a more mature sound, but still building on those principles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been kind of excited to see where they go from that. And it's been about six years since they released anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was curious to see if this album would catch me as the last one did. Um, and so I would say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of how these guys compose uh rock songs and in particular the like vocal quality of the singer i'm a big fan of Hmm. he's kind of got that peter gabriel raspiness going on um yeah i've got that i've got that in my notes that he has a great voice (laughs) especially live actually it actually comes out a bit more when when it's smoothed out by the production um Hmm. so i find his kind of his vocal quality quite interesting um Hmm. But I think I found this record comparatively subdued to their older stuff. Um, They have like a number of pretty big kind of more rhythmically focused uh, rock tracks in the past, a lot more drums. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of a little more, a little more sad cowboy, a little less rock and roll. I found (laughs) Um, cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Um, like a lot of these songs are kind of sentimental and like at a times like romantic in some fashion. Um, mm. yeah. So I kind of, this album kind of toes the line between like over sentimentalism and like stadia stadium rock music. And it was interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It didn't grab me as much as their last one. I think it kind of missed a little bit of that oomph in the middle. Um, mm. Uh, but I actually found myself loving the last track on the album the most, which is like a an acoustic uh, solo song where the singer is kind of um, spinning the tale of the band's past in a kind of saccharine way, like kind of, hmm. you know, rosy glasses and kind of loving the experience that they've had together as a band. And they're kind of, it's, I don't know. This album kind of felt like, like the yeah, band is feeling its age a little bit. I don't know. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. I was like, that so, kind of sounds like finishing up album kind of lyrics. Yeah. I. Yeah. I don't think they're doing that, but maybe it's more perspective having. Um, mm. But I, I do love the also the top track in the album. That kind of like the. That kind of funky, dancey rock and roll is m- more what they kind of go with in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that too. I, I have in my notes that's got fantastic movement. Yeah. They, like they have some, some of their like old singles have a lot of that kind of, um, kind of movement to them. Um, mm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I gave it a full it? listen through and I really enjoyed what I heard. Um, yeah. yeah, Better Now was really cool. I don't think I've gotten my notes like I didn't always love the high BVs, but I need to give it another listen mm. or so to kind of justify that. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Lover's Heart was really good. Great layers and great voice and that sort of thing. It, uh, it, was, it was a cool release. I, um, I, I look forward to if you give, you give me another one of theirs, but uh, I enjoyed this, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like the, the band, I think, uh, modern Kings of Leon wishes they were like. Um, <laughs> they they do a better job of layering stuff, I think, in an interesting way. Um, mm. Whereas old Kings of Leon had much better 
I don't know, hooks and like character to it. Anyway, I don't, I'm mm. not going on a Kings of Leon rant because that album is not yet and I haven't listened to it. But, um, have Kings yeah, of Leon I, new album out? Uh, yeah, it's like tomorrow, I think. But, oh, right. Uh, uh, yeah, Delta Spirit. I, I was, surprised by what i liked and what i didn't like about this that's what i'll say it's still it's still a good record hmm. um how about you sir scott walker yeah yeah so um i don't want to go on like too much about everything that <laughs> scott walker is because he's kind of a he's an interesting public figure like he passed away in 2019 but he certainly lived an interesting life and for those listeners who don't know who Scott Walker is, I'll give you a very brief um, description. He was a um, star of like a group called the Walker Brothers in the 1960s. And yep. he had lots of hits. They were very, very big. Um, uh, they had huge fan base. and were, He was American, but he moved to the UK when he was very young. And so they got pretty big. Um, and then they kind of petered out and disbanded and he went off by himself and did a whole bunch of solo records called Scott, Scott one, Scott two, Scott three, Scott four, Scott four kind of flopped. And then he had these, this period of time between 1969 and like 1995 where he was trying all these different things. And I watched this documentary about him twice now called 30th century man and he kind of calls those like wasted years because he's still trying to find his new Mm. sound but basically he goes from i saw the guardian compare it as like andy andy williams going from that to stockhausen so he Mm. he goes from being like a pop icon with a great voice to being one of the like uh, one of very highly regarded um, 21st century uh, experimental avant-garde eternal composers kind of thing. So he's had a pretty interesting um, musical career. Yeah. And, um, yeah, eight years ago I watched this documentary when his latest album, Bish Bosh, it was released in 2012 and was interested in him but never really followed it up. And I was like, oh, I had it on my list of things to listen to. And so I delved back in and watched the doco again and kind of got an, you know, just big perspective. And so it's really hard to cover everything in this, but um, I actually settled on wanting to talk about Scott four, which was his failed album, which has now become like a classic. And every time you go onto Spotify, it's like, you know, this is one of his undiscovered, like his, you know, classic albums. So it was in, in hindsight that everyone really loved it. So Scott Four, what you can expect is like a really crooning kind of voice um, with big lush orchestral arrangements and like flamenco guitar and like trumpets and that sort of thing, but also kind of really groovy bass and drums. The thing that I find interesting, Josh, maybe you can help me with this. In 1969, the Beatles were doing like real rock and roll stuff, right? Uh, yeah, like Abbey Road and Let It Be or 69. Yeah. Does this feel like a bit of a time capsule? Like, like should, is this older music than it is? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, yeah. the wrong I, that's, era. I, that's kind of what I, um, thought when I listened to it, the, I, I classify Scott Walker and I am woefully underqualified to no, make this classification, but he's kind of a, a musical contrarian in a lot of ways, um, hmm. as opposed to like uh, a, a Bowie type who has his finger on the pulse of like the arts and music scene and wants to inspire by doing new weird things. Hmm. Um, Walker rather wants to reject a lot of the things that are happening. And so hmm. um, he's like very anti psychedelic uh, musically. And I think he ties the like the the creativity that the Beatles are trying to use to that movement rather than them being like yeah. complimentary things. Yeah. Um, 
So the, yeah, the music on this record is really old fashioned. It reminds yeah. me of like fifties movie soundtracks or yeah, like so westerns. Last night I was lying in bed thinking, oh right, yeah. Like I told you, it reminds me a lot of in the year twenty five twenty five by yeah, um, which I completely understand. Yeah. And that's from, uh, my parents gave me this One Hit Wonders of the 1960s album one time, <laughs> and that song's on it. And so it really feels like the early 60s um, to me yeah. rather than late 60s. And, but then there are also some things on it which catch me out. Like, so the seventh seal, which is the opening track, is this, is the one that sounds like this in the year 2525, kind of, yeah, uh, you know, like middle, uh, when I say middle America, I mean the continent, like so Mexico influenced um, mm. kind of feel. Um, and then he goes like to On Your Own Again and The World's Strongest Man, which feels more like a pop ballad, but like a bit slower. But then he gets this song called Angels of Ashes, which has like a chord progression, which feels a lot more modern than the rest of the album. And the songwriting style feels different again like giving lots of artistic space to the vocals and that sort of thing so it's uh, yeah and then the lyrics are quite they're not pop lyrics like Mm. hero of the war is all about someone coming back from war and being battle scarred but still you know like someone he's a hero like we all love him like too bad he's completely incapacitated and (laughs) So it's kind of like biting. And then after that, the old man's back again is like the the subtitle is dedicated to the uh, neo-Stalinist regime or something. Mm. So it's like kind of a political song, which this music doesn't usually do, this genre. And he got kind of in trouble for Scott Four because his previous albums were all like covers. Scott one and Scott two were like covers, and people oh, really, really loved those. And then Scott, yeah, there were Scotters. Uh, <laughs> there were covers, I believe, of um, a guy. Hang on, let me just. I always net forget his name. Jacques Jacques Brule. Okay. Yeah, most of the yeah, like he really loved his songs, but he also yeah, all the other ones are all different writers on Scott one and Scott two or Scott and Scott 2, and then Scott 3 started including some of his own songs, and then Scott 4 is entirely his own songs and kind of flopped. So that's a bit sad. Yeah, I think... Um, sorry, just go back a little bit. When, when you're yeah, talking sorry. about the, the the horns, the kind of terminology, like mm. the Tijuana Brass and Herb Albert, like, but less... Yeah, gotcha. Less, less kitschy, less poppy... Um, mm. Uh, I I think what he does with this album is he's trying to modernize a lot of old school things like the crooning mm. and um the strings that are like they're they're less like how say like Paul McCartney would use strings in a song they're not complementary but they're actually more part of the melody of the song. Um, which is a much older way of doing things. Um, yeah, I, I, as a, as a point of criticism, I do feel like a lot of the music of this record is purely complementary to what, uh, Scott is doing with his singing and with the lyrics. Like they're not, they're a little bit disconnected for me. I like, Mm. like you could put a lot of different music behind what he's doing and it wouldn't really change what he does necessarily. Um, yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's entirely fair. No, but. It's, it was really hard to figure out what to talk about when I was listening <laughs> to Scott Walker because it's so interesting. I, I tweeted out, I was like, where do I start? And uh, my friend Ramon was like, Scott three. And I had to listen, listen to Scott three and I found it a bit boring. Um mm. And like in more so than like what you're saying, the strings were even a little bit too cheesy and kind of poppy. However, the first song on that album is my favorite of his. It's called It's Raining Today. 
And on that album, you can hear what some people have said to be like the hints of what will come in the future. So his orchestrator um, does a few things which are quite different for that era. The opening of It's Raining Today is this dissonant hold with these violins. And they hold this, this very dissonant chord while the acoustic guitar comes in and his crooning voice comes in. And the whole song is very beautiful except for these strings, which give <laughs> you this unsettling feel under everything. And I thought when I first listened to this, like, oh, this is where he began to really do crazy stuff. But then the rest of the album is very typical of the era, well, of yeah. this time capsule era. And so is Scott Four. So it still wasn't many decades before he then got into the avant-garde sound of um, uh, Tilt and The Drift, which didn't come until 1995, and then The Drift was in 2006. So anyway. I, yeah, I must confess I've never listened to those. The uh, I can tell yeah, you now it, that you probably wouldn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, the strings actually on this album kind of reminded me of, um, I don't know if you know much of his music, called Sam Cooke. Um, mm. He's a song, A Change Is Gonna Come, and it's kind of the that very sentimental kind of string background stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to go on too much about all the stuff that is yeah around it, but it was really interesting to me to like look back and listen to something like Scott Ford, knowing what will come looking for the hints then, but also mm. trying to enjoy it as it's its own album. And I I really liked the album. I I I think it's my favorite out of his, like that I genuinely enjoy. Like I enjoy his later stuff only really in sound. I don't really like his voice as much on his later work because he sounds like strangled on his later works. He keeps the same crooning kind of voice, but it's now tight and like stressed. And so by the time he finishes, when he's doing his last studio album, Bish Bosh, he, um, so it's this crazy, you know, soundscape of all these nuts sounds, which I really like the sounds. I think they're very interesting, but then the lyrics are like all over the shop and the, mm. the melody is all over the shop and the tone is, is crazy and Bish Bosh is a very hard album to listen to. So I'm not, I was thinking, I've got notes on, on a lot of his albums from the past two weeks. Of listening. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I feel like I spread myself a little too thin. Um, but it was very That's interesting okay. listening to him. He even did a collaboration with a very famous um, ambient kind of experimental artist called Sun O. Um, so. Yeah, in his later years, he kind of became this institution. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I can <clears throat> see how his music would inspire um, a lot of people. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the kind of like <clears throat> do-it-yourself dynamic way of making things and then a rejection of like where a lot of music is headed, but also trying to like come alongside it. I think that's, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can see fascinating that. character. I, I haven't done him justice in like 10 minutes, but yeah, <laughs> check out check out Scott 4 is a nice place to start. Uh, Scott 3 and Scott 4, but, um, you know, and then you can kind of branch out from there. And I'm glad I started there because it gives you a little bit of a grounding before everything kind of gets disassembled. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Homework time. <laughs> Homework time. <laughs> Talking too much. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, maybe foolishly for the third time in the row, for the third, third episode in a row, I gave Josh um, something a little bit different and maybe a little <laughs> bit too soft touch. But um, I gave him an album by a group called Amina. Now, Amina are a Icelandic group and they are the string quartet who usually accompany Sigaros when they do live shows. Um, and this album is called Kerr. It's from 2007 and it's a very beautiful 
um, uh, album made with a lot of kind of um, small instruments. Mm-hmm. They play strings themselves, but they play a lot of different instruments on this album. So what did you think of Amina? Yeah, you, you say string quartet. This is like a very eclectic, like lots of bells, chimes, vibraphones. Yeah. Um, some keyboards, <clears throat> some strings and guitar, and then uh, somewhat prominently the uh, musical saw, as uh, you showed me. <laughs> took, um, you, took you a few guesses. Well, I, yeah, I thought it was a theremin, and it, I maintain it sounds a lot like one. Um, it does, yeah. It's, yeah, basically the low fidelity theremin is the musical saw. Um, yeah, it, uh, but by and large, uh, instrumental, and um, I'd say they sometimes veer into like lullaby territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and not as in like nursery rhyme, but like the classical co- composition of lullaby territory. Um, mm. Where these songs put me in a very relaxed mood when I tried to listen to them. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no kind of like harsh tones to this album whatsoever. It's very comforting. Um, mm. And so, I, I don't know, I found the compositions quite charming. Um, mm. The melodies are pretty simple and easy to listen to. And uh, I don't know, they got a bit samey in some places. Like, there's a lot of song in this album. And um, I probably couldn't place a lot of them. But listening to the whole thing is quite enjoyable at the same time. They are also um, in Icelandic, and so it's hard to remember which Icelandic word applies to which track. I, f- I think I would take a song or two out of the record, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Just make it a little bit tighter. Um, uh, weirdly, I find them very different from Sigurós themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. No, that's fair. They're kind of... brand Sigurós's brand of like ambient instrumentation... Um, it's very big and dynamic and often builds to like these really large musical crescendos and um, in some ways is a little unattractive at times. That's, that's not the right word. I think like um, a little bit harsh in their like musical apexes. So like really, really big. And mm. um, like, I think this album is very much the opposite of that it's very um warm and cozy like they're like knitting on the front cover uh one giant scarf yeah like like that's kind of the vibe um compared to like these like high cheekbone pale faces that you get in cigarettes of like <laughs> it's a very extreme, interesting comparison <laughs> extreme icelandic like musical crescendo so yeah I thought I thought it interesting that collaborators could be so different um, when they work yeah. so frequently together. They're in the documentary, um, the documentary film called, um, oh, what was it called? Their, <laughs> their tour of Iceland. And anyway, in it, they seem very ordinary. Um, and it's just really lovely. They're just talking about kind of like joining in and doing things around what Sigaros are doing. But yeah. yeah, they are very different, the Sigaros, in in that Sigaros can be very washy sometimes. Amina yeah. are actually very calculated. They're like this many bars of this thing, and then this thing comes in. And it seems like what they might be doing could be unintentional, but then you realize there's a very definite structure to every song. Mm. And you watch them play live as well, and they know the parts that are coming up, and they're like, oh. Now it's the handbells time and this is the zither and over here to the music box and then the cello and the saw and stuff. So Yeah. And they all swap very quickly between them. It's quite um impressive to have that all in your head, I think. Yeah. This is also their first album, I believe, and they go on to like do some very different things after this. Mm-hmm. A bit more like upbeat stuff with some other musicians and like drums and things. So interesting. Yeah, so I feel like I wonder if this was just the collection of sounds that songs that they had made together as they were starting out and like, okay, well let's kind of put them all together and see what we come up with sort of thing. It's just my guess. But yeah. Yeah. 
I I don't know what it is, but I would have liked a little more spice. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I m- maybe they kind of go into that kind of thing, but just a little more. Um, oomph. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's all fair. Um, don't worry. Homework is going to change next week, <laughs> as as the listeners will hear about soon. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This is kind of like a nice, like grandma knitted sweater of an album. And I've, I've been enjoying that at least. That's good. Is it still cold there? Uh, yeah, it's pretty chilly. <laughs> well, it might make a nice little accompaniment. I'll take it. Um, <sighs> all right. Do Unless you, you have any other comments. You gave me? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, gave Asher the first full release from the UK band, um, Black Country New Road, and the album's called For the First Time. Um, I myself considered reviewing this last episode because I've been going through it, but I didn't have enough time to switch. Um, anyway, uh, these people started making some waves in the industry with, um, early singles. Mm-hmm. Um, of Athens, France, and sunglasses, but not the yep. studio version, like an older version. Um, oh, okay. And they are a like seven piece experimental post punk anything goes kind of band. I I don't know. I'd honestly try to classify them as like post indie music, but uh, yeah, this this record kind of has all of the production. And like youthful charm of like an early two thousands indie record, but the songwriting yeah, totally. is very very different from that. Mm. I think I I am very glad you gave me this album. I have very much enjoyed this. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, it, you're right in that it, it feels um, it feels like it's a bit older, and to me, I really I've listened to a lot of Me Without You which we've talked about before. So it gave me vibes of that. And they were doing a lot of their stuff in the early thousands, late thousands kind of thing. So um, first of all, you didn't talk about this. Well, I mean, that's my job. The sounds on this are fantastic. (laughs) So there are like, you said there's seven members. Yeah. Because they've got, so bass, guitar, drums kind of thing. But then they have, is it two saxophones? Or is it a saxophone and a clarinet? I think it's uh, a guy who switches up saxophones, but um, okay. there are multiple saxophone sounds, yeah. The first track is like this ostinato-driven <laughs> instrumental that yeah. kind of has Middle Eastern jazz vibes. Like, yeah, it's like a klezmer song. Yeah, it's yeah, 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 klezmer. Because I was like, it sounds like Fiddler on the Roof, but kind of <laughs> scar. Uh, I mean, well, that was more opus later on, but like the first track, because you've got that little keyboard thing, which is in three and then all the other drums and, and then you've got that rolling snare and it's really good. It's really good. It's such a long intro though. Like I was <laughs> like, hats off to them to make the first track of the album an instrumental track yeah. and it goes on and on. And I think, it's, oh, it's not that long. It's like five and a half minutes. Anyway, I just thought it was great. Um, Athens, France was good, but it wasn't until like science fair that I started really getting into the lyrics of this. So science fair has this kind of like broken (laughs) Connor Oberst voice, like mixed with me without you kind of spoken word stuff about like, she was so impressed about how many things I could set on fire. (laughs) I was like, yeah. this is amazing. Fantano described it as it sounds like a origin of a supervillain, like a like a That's science great. fair experiment gone yes. wrong. And just, yeah, yeah, like he's like everyone's disappointed in him. In him, oh, that's right. That's how in it's because in Iron Man, one of the very few Marvel movies I've actually seen, doesn't <laughs> the disenchanted like dude? He's trying to show t- st- Tony Stark something. And then he gets like shoved off. I don't know. Anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> so the the rest of the album, so Sunglasses, this is the weird tie-in. Um, so Sunglasses has a Scott Walker reference in it, which is why you, you thought I was getting into Scott Walker because of this, but I just yeah. happened to. 
Um, it's a very small line. You know, I look like a modern Scott Walker in these sunglasses. But to me, and tell me this is wrong, sunglasses is kind of like, it's got multiple parts to it. It's like almost 10 minutes long. One part of it feels like there's a very fragile, very powerful man sitting in a truck hiding behind these sunglasses. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. And that part is so good. The lyrics are just so, you know, when people write into lyrics, meaningless, small things, it seems really big. You know, he's like, there's so many road workmen on this street. Like that's a lyric that just doesn't really, it's not an important detail, but because it's written in, you kind of feel like the narrative is so live and real. And I, I yeah. love it. Um, sun- sunglasses is definitely a standout track for me. And mm. I, I love it because it's like a 10 minute long, basically narrative of like a guy um, having an anxiety attack in his like girlfriend's uh, like family's house, like on the mm. sofa watching television with her dad and this like intense mediocrity is like starting to get to him. And then he like has an episode and like becomes this sunglasses wearing like Superman, but he's secretly just as fragile as he was before, like walking around thinking he's invincible. Well, because the first part is so like you're enraptured by these lyrics, you know, it's like mother is juicing watermelons on the breakfast island and with frail hands, she grips the Nutribullet, you know, and then it goes and a wall of, uh, and a wall of photographs in the downstairs, second living room TV area. I become her father and complain to the mediocre, mediocre theater in the daytime, single ice, uh, an ice and single malt whiskey at night, a rising skirt hems and lowering IQs and things aren't built like they used to be the absolute pinnacle of British engineering. Yeah. Like so clever. And then, yeah, he goes to the, like, I'm invincible in these sunglasses. (laughs) It's very clever. It's very clever. I enjoyed it a lot. I must confess those two tracks though, interested me most and the others were good, but I would have loved like another cool narrative like that. Mm. Like Opus was really great because of that Middle Eastern scar jazz thing that's going on. And there's even free jazz elements in this with the saxophone kind of going all over the place. I don't know. It's a good album. It's very raw. It's very raw. Yeah. And you... Yeah, sorry. sorry. I, I just, yeah, these kids are really young and I think doing interesting things, which is why um, it took me more than a few times to like actually kind of get the album, I think, um, mm-hmm. or even get their music. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of like the musicality of it is a little bit like early arcade fire is what I feel like sometimes. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you don't have like as much of the crazy, like jazz Eastern elements going on, mm-hmm. um, yeah. They kind of build in similar ways. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think I started loving the album a lot when um, the first half of the Sunglasses song uh, kind of roped me in. Like the that's very hmm. kind of regular. I don't regular is the word. Uh, stereotypical post punk vibes of like the crisp drums. And like the minimalistic kind of music around it, that mm. really drew me in. And then obviously the album kind of expands from there. Um, mm. Yeah, I I don't think these guys quite know who they want to be. I, I like I think both musically and like literally, um, they're pretty young. And I think this album is an is a very well done expression of that idea. Um, mm. Like a lot of the concepts are about um, like internalizing and recognizing the state of their life and not knowing what to do about it necessarily. Mm. And this is the kind of music that I would expect to be made by a group of young people kind of experiencing the 21st century 
um, mm. of uncertainty. And mm. this music is kind of chaotic and uncertain in places. And I think it's very interesting that that is like emblematic of the life that these people may have had. Yeah. That that's an extrapolation, but uh, I, I, I don't know. That's kind of what it tweaked to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good points. I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about like uh, musical decadism. So you have like the nineties and it's all very like disenfranchised and the two thousands is all very glammy and hopeful. Yeah. And so I'm like the 2020s are going to be what? Like chaotic and <laughs> out of control. Cause I watched you know, a very, had, yeah. <laughs> on this note, I watched a very interesting um, video essay by Innuendo Studios um, all about, Oh, did I send it to you? Yeah, he did. It's, about um, Daria. About Daria. Yeah, it's about the um, what's the full titled, the ne- the '90s neoliberal fantasia as experienced by Daria Morgendorf, a millennial. Yeah, and that touched on a lot of those kinds of same themes about um, how much different this current decade is, and um, and how things have. Yeah, I don't know if we want to get too philosophical, <laughs> but things things have gotten a lot more chaotic since that time. So. Yeah, I I think that's why I try to classify this as post indie music because in the two thousands indie music was more optimistic and romantic yeah. in some fashion, hmm. like the Strokes and the White Stripes and that kind of stuff are all very like still kind of de- like depressed in some fashion, but they have they have goals and aspirations. They weren't and completely nihilistic. Yeah, the this music is very not that, um, yeah. while still being independently produced. Interestingly, I think that their art and aesthetic also adds to that. Have you noticed how they use all stock photos for everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and they're always like photo from Unsplash by this handle. And their name was just generated from a Wikipedia like article or something too. Oh really? Yeah, it says, despite having two early singles to date, Black Country, New Road, their name originally found on a random Wikipedia generator, <laughs> have made a mass- massive uh, impact. So they're quite curious. I really liked, I mean, I love that spoken word kind of. Um, I asked you if you'd listened to the band Listener, and uh, um, they're kind of similar to them, mm-hmm. but maybe less l- uh more musical yeah yeah anyway yeah it was good thanks man i really enjoyed that one pleasure they're worth keeping an eye out on uh, oh yeah i'm so. definitely gonna keep an eye on them um all right honorable mentions honorable mentions thank you for carrying the philosophical side of our discussion today i feel like <laughs> i've done so much listening my brain didn't have the chance to like really delve deep, but I've enjoyed your thoughts. So anyway. no, this, this has been a, uh, an odd episode uh, to reveal a bit behind the screen. I changed what I was going to review about three times in the last two weeks as well. <laughs> so we've been kind of all over the place. But do I get to tease you now? <laughs> you get to tease me anytime you want. Um, yeah. Well, Josh always teases me that I changed my review, so I've stopped telling him till like a couple of days before. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, all right. True. So honorable mentions. I um, first on the block. Um, this is fresh off the presses. Uh, mm. um, I don't know if I've told you about this. Um, one of my favorite rappers is a guy by the name of Denzel Curry, and um, no, I don't know. He frequently works with uh, the one and only Mr. Kenny Beats, um, whom you uh-huh. know and love. And, yes. Uh, early last year. They put out a project together called Unlocked, um, hmm. which is a kind of, I don't know, is a really interesting record and one of my favorite hip hop releases from last year. And it's kind of Wu-Tang Clan, MF Doom inspired, but very still Denzel, um, who is like an aggressive kind of Southern uh rapper a little old school in my opinion um which i love um so together um they have uh, released a remix of that album um yesterday 
mm-hmm. um, with all new producers. So it's basically like a redux of the whole thing with a bunch wow. of different people doing what they want with the tracks from the previous album. Um, so it's kind of a collaboration, uh, but a new version. Um, yeah. 1.5. So I, I found it really interesting. Uh, I think the original album is still better. Um, mm. but a lot of these songs, uh, with new takes on them are very, very different. Um, uh, but still kind of awesome. I don't know. Like the, they work in a different way to still make the original performances shine. And that I find is very interesting because some of them are yeah. like, hip hop jazz inspired some of them are completely different um some of them are very similar and like have inserted new um lyrical verses from other rappers and so it's just kind of all over the place um but a very interesting project yeah um, that's cool yeah uh Denzel is um a very interesting guy he was brought to my attention um, because I'm slack by a Triple J performance he did of a Rage Against the Machine song. Um, I don't know how that makes you slack, but yeah. Well, he he's kind of big before that, but he absolutely killed it, and that's kind of right. like, oh, I'll start paying attention to him because it's yeah. hard to kill a Rage song that well. Um, right, takes a particular kind of talent. So, um, anyway, yeah, that's okay. He's awesome. Uh, in a similar vein. Um, I shared with you yesterday the new Chance the Rapper song. Um, yeah, that was great. Which is probably only going to be on YouTube for a while, or it's not going to be on Spotify for at least a while. But um, a new, I guess, quote-unquote single from him. Um, uh, he hasn't said anything about releasing a new album, but this is just kind of a release. And I don't know, it's very well put together. It's got a great beat. It's got great lyrics. It's just a solid song all around and very, um, I don't know, high quality Chance the Rapper stuff, which is great to hear again. Um, I was really impressed. I've only heard a tiny bit of Chance. Even though you told me to watch those concerts around Christmas time, I did not yet get to (laughs) I'm sorry. But um, I I really enjoyed this clip. Yeah, from my perspective, he's actually been on a bit of a roll since December. And uh, this is kind of another step in a very solid uh, number of performances that he's been giving. And I don't know, I'm excited for um, Chance to keep on going. And if this is the start of something new or again from him, that's exciting for me. Yeah. I liked the um, the lyrics on the screen and then he sings the sample and it's just got in parentheses sample. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought it was I very know. good. I was very impressed. Yeah. I like him. He's a bit of a cheese dog. Um, he's a bit corny, which I which I appreciate. Um, yeah, that's a flair of him being him, which I, which I enjoy. Um, uh, also, I have been uh, cataloging a number of my albums for no particular reason. Um, don't worry about it. I'm a bit obsessed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, during that, I dug through my stuff. And I have been listening to a lot of the eels in the past week. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've forgotten how much I just enjoy them and uh, the lead guy, Mark Everett's writing. I think he has a very unique voice, uh, both singing and creatively uh, in the music scene. I don't know. I just haven't really... Uh, loving going through some of that old stuff. And I've been spanning a lot of their different records, so I won't kind of pick one in particular, but I'll put some checks in the thing. Yeah, I don't know. please. I've just been loving the eels. <laughs> and it's been... I, I really good. don't know much about them as like, as like, you know, I'm not very good with like spanning my listening sometimes. So I mean, these guys have been around for a while and it's funny yeah. to watch them now as Mark Everett's not a young man anymore, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. And so the to have a similar quality but a different tone to the music, I find quite interesting. Anyway, uh-huh. cool. Um, and then last but not least, uh, <laughs> yesterday, I guess it's still trending on Twitter. Um, the Wiggles <laughs> did a very interesting. Uh, yes. um, <laughs> I've watched that so, a few times now. Um, for those of people who aren't aware, um, one of the um, 
government-led radio stations in Australia. There's one called Triple J. Um, and they do a production called a th- called Like a Version. We have where talked they, about it before, but yeah. Yeah, they get bands, and bands come and play two songs, one original and then one cover. And it's usually, you know, like musical names and all that kind of like indie stuff. And then they got the Wiggles to come on. And uh, they did a cover of a Tame Impala song called Elephant. And it's really good. It's kind it's of just really like good. spooky, <laughs> like jazzy mashup of, of that Tame Impala song and their song Fruit Salad. Yummy, um, yummy. Complete with like guitar solo and guitar solos. And, and a dude wearing an elephant mask. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it quite great to see Murray Cook playing again. I really like um, Mr. Red Wiggle himself. Dude, and, that was uh, the best video you sent me as well. <laughs> the the other Australian band who has Murray Cook in it. Yeah, it's uh, between it by the DZ Death Rays. Um, oh, man. He's just dancing around. Anyway, I think Murray Cook is a bit of a legend. And yeah. um, it's quite funny to see, I don't know, this is kind of like Raffi covering like a Neil Young song. It's just like really out there, you know, just like. I get oh. that reference. I'd like you to know. <laughs> I'm glad. I couldn't think of a modern Canadian band for the Raffi would cover, to be honest. Um, sure. Well, they, anyway. know, they could cover Arcade Fire or something. Yeah, something like that. It's just like out yeah. there and you're like, oh, this is surprising and surprisingly good. And the yeah. um, uh, Tampa song is not easy. It has those like weird, like seven, eight pushes at the end of bars and you got to hit those yeah, the dun, whole time. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's just kind of this weird like I don't know headspace of like parrot like semi parod parodied music um yeah. that's been on my YouTube watching like that guy who does like the bare naked ladies cover as Blink-182. It's just kind of like You're those... stealing all my honorable <laughs> mentions. But uh I regret nothing. Uh well that's all all I had was talking about those. Yeah, the So in a funny coincidence, um I sent Josh a screenshot of my Spotify listening, which was Scott Walker alongside the Wiggles, because uh, <laughs> while, while I'm working, um, my wife was playing the Wiggles for our daughter. Um, and you then sent me this clip um, of, yeah, Murray Wiggle in this modern rock song. And it was just, it just reminded me of how much I enjoy the silliness of Australian artists sometimes. Mm. Like, that they're willing to kind of do random crap like that and just have fun. And it also reminded me of, um, did you ever, do you know a show called Play School? Did you ever watch that growing up in Australia? I do know of it. I have not watched it um, since I was very, very small, but I do know it. Yeah. So around the 50th anniversary, they got a lot of Australian artists to um, kind of cover songs and do segments of the show. So they've got like, (laughs) Tim Minchin reading reading books. They've got the Umbilical Brothers. They've got um, Architecture in Helsinki, who I didn't actually know were Aussie, playing some songs. They even have, is it um, Bren, uh, who's the lead singer of Powderfinger? Um, oh, I put him on the spot. <laughs> anyway, he's doing one of the songs, like, and they have all these really interesting Australian artists doing, like, kids' songs from this 50-year-old children's tv program um and it's just very sweet in the same way that like the wiggles are doing tame impala there's just this swapping of roles and like playing around with cultural icons i don't know i just dig it bernard fanning is his name thank you yeah yeah i didn't want to say like brendan fraser or something (laughs) yeah yeah brendan Brendan fraser is not the lead singer i know i know i know I don't know who he is. Um, okay, I'm going to just do the last few before my mic cuts out again. Sorry, listeners. My, no. my mic has been misbehaving today. Well, I think it's actually my audio interface. Whatever. Um, I have been listening to uh, Sun Lux's album Tomorrow's 2, which came out around December last year, and I kind of missed it. Um, I think also the reason I missed it was there's a little bit of a like a low, slow part of this three-part album. Um <laughs> Part one was quite in your face. Part two was very subtle. And so 
I'm kind of anticipating part three to pick up a bit. I could be wrong, but I'm interested to listen to all three together once all three yeah. hours. So anyway, it's really worth checking out though. Um, a part, one of the songs is really beautiful. Um, you stole my thing about one week, uh, but in Blink-182 <laughs> version, I re- well, no, you gave it to me. That was a fantastic so, clip. Yeah, you can talk about it a little more. I skipped over it. Um, I mean, Josh just sent me this dude who covered One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies, but if Blink-182 had written it, and he does honestly one of the most convincing jobs of emulating Blink-182 and making yeah. One Week a really different but just as excellent song. Um, yeah he does a really good job it's kind of i mean you can tell that he knows how blink composed their songs because it has all these elements Mm. of like old school blink but also like even the early 2000s stuff where you have the um like a verse start with just the bass and singing like that's quite a classic 2000s blink thing to do and the Um, chorus start down and then kind of kick in (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah it's really well done it is really well done um uh randomly i saw a musical this past fortnight that i really enjoy called <laughs> chess um and i wanted to shout out that i really love that musical particularly act one so if you're into musicals check out chess it's a pretty old one from the 19 musical. It, you know it's written by two of the abba brother the two the two abba men Benny and Bjorn. Oh, okay. And Tim Rice. Bjorn. So it's like, yeah, about the Cold War and chess and stuff. Man, um, I'm very jealous of your ability to go and see things in public. I know. I feel pretty lucky too. I mean, you know, we're still pretty masked up and that sort of thing. But like, I don't know if we have any cases around here at the moment, which is um, a huge blessing. Perhaps. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the last thing I have before we do our little special thing is uh there is a new godspeed you black emperor album that's a thing and i'm very excited about it all that i've heard is 50 seconds of a teaser on some video and um already they sold out all their vinyl in the first day so crumbs yeah that's okay um it looks very interesting it looks very curious and i am very interested to see what they are going to do next because their latest album from 2017, some fans didn't really enjoy their kind of movement away from kind of a bit more all over the shop experimentalism. It was a bit straighter and a bit down the line, but the melodies which they are famous for in my mind were there. And I'm really excited about a new release because I kind of I kind of worked my way through their back catalogue a few years ago and just was like, oh, I could keep going but there was no more to keep going with. So I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so okay. that's okay. the end of my honorable mentions. Um, so Josh and I have been chatting about doing some themed episodes this year. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've got is I've got a little spinner with some different options on it. I'm not going to tell you all the options because I want them to be surprises. But I'm going to spin this little spinner and we're going to find out what the focus of next week's homework is going to be um, and what we have to do. So you ready, Josh? All right. Spin that wheel. Here we go. It's an annoying clicker. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll put the clicker in as well. Oh, okay. The theme is we choose each other a random band camp album. <laughs> I've got this uh, random Bandcamp album uh, chooser thing as well. Do you want me to send it to you and you would do it right now or or do you want to uh, do it? I'll d- let's do it afterwards. Okay. We'll <laughs> so this it. is Okay. So next week's theme, <laughs> we're going to use this algorithm to choose each other a random Bandcamp album and that's what we'll be reviewing. So let's, yeah, you'll hear how that goes in a fortnight's yeah. time. <laughs> Things can get strange. This is. Yes. Uh, of all the genres, that's that's probably the second most dangerous one of all the <laughs> options. I think you could get anything. <laughs> um, thank you for listening to episode twenty-four of what we're listening to. Um, a little disjointed, but we got there in the end on my part. Um, we hope that you have found some interesting things to listen to. 
Um, please check us out on socials on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and uh, obviously on podcasts. And if you are really enjoying the show, um, please give us a little review and a rating. Um, I think that helps us just with getting out there and being listened to more, listened to by more people. So anyway, thanks for listening to this episode and we'll see you next time. See you, Josh. See you, mate.